the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, the gospel is called the greatest story ever told. And if you look into the details of all that Jesus did for us to be saved, uh, you understand that, yes, it is the greatest story ever told, how the Son of God came from heaven to earth to teach the truth of God's Word and to do miracles and to do healings, to validate His Messiahship, to show that He fulfilled the prophecies. But most of all, and this is the week in which we celebrate it, He went to a, a cross on a hill called Calvary. He was nailed to the cross. The appropriate measure of God's wrath was poured on Jesus, and by faith in Him, we can be saved. We welcome you to this Wednesday of Easter uh, Passion Week, Bert Harper and I here on Exploring the Word, we're going to talk about the events of Christ's last week on earth before his death and resurrection. And Bert, uh, you know, uh, you and I each have uh, for years and maybe even we could say decades studied the gospel story, and yet it's always fresh, it's always new, and I, I remain in awe of the love of God that prompted him to send his son, aren't you? I do, and I agree with you. The greatest story ever told, and uh, we can be a part of that story. You know, uh, what we need to do is learn to tell our story after Jesus has done this work in our lives. And we can call it your testimony, uh, your witness, but it is a story worth telling how Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came to earth, lived that perfect life, and would die on the cross, taking our sins, and and Alex being buried and rose again. How awesome. And then he permits us, by faith, to be a part of this work. Uh, now, I've said it several times, you know, if, if God was only interested in us being saved, and he is interested in us being saved and going to heaven, but if that was the only thing, we would have been saved, and then he would have taken us immediately to heaven. But he's left us here. We're to be discipled. We're to share this great story and share it with others. And that's what Exploring the Word does. Try to do it every day. Uh, our our uh, president, Tim Wildman, Jim Stanley, when he was uh, working with the programming, he said, man, in the afternoon, we need a program just given over to the Word of God being proclaimed and studied. And Alex, we get we just got one today, got a, an email from a listener that was saved just Friday as they listened to the program and they asked Jesus Christ into their life, and their life has been changed. We hear that and we praise God because well. it is the greatest story ever told, but you can add your story of salvation to that greatest story, can't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And and our friends, Bert and I want to say this, and just with all sincerity, that you matter to God. Whoever you are, whatever your place in life, your life matters to God. You and your journey, you are known to God. And Jesus really is the friend. The Bible says he is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And 
Calvary and Easter, it was all done for you and for me. God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about Easter. We're going to talk about, you know, we've we've gone over Monday. Uh, yesterday was Tuesday, and a lot of the the confrontation about authority and paying tribute. We're going to talk about Wednesday. But first, I've got to do something, folks. Now, listen in. I want you to lean in, listen to your radio, your computer, your mobile device, because uh, today, if I've got this right, isn't this the birthday of my esteemed co-host, Bert Harper? <laughs> Bert, am I right? Happy birthday, my It my is my birthday. Friend. Yes, thank you. And I tell Amen. you, it's been a great, great day. And I, I thank God for my birth, and I thank God for my new birth. God, Amen. God, I can say this. Now, I was just 12 years old when God saved me, but he brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he has set my feet on the rock of Jesus Christ, put a new song in my heart. And, Alex, I, I was saved when I was 12 years old, and I hadn't gotten over it yet. I'm well, still hallelujah. just rejoicing. So thank you, brother. Well, for the record, I am glad that God created you, brother. Uh, you know, you've been born twice. Uh, this is your birthday, and you've been born again. And, Bert, I know you know this, but your life counts for eternity. And, and we just thank God for you. And I, I'm sure that I speak for countless listeners, and we, we uh, wish you a happy birthday, my friend. Thank you, Alex, more than I can tell you. And uh, my wife and I... Uh, what a trip God's given us, and uh, he has let us be a part of AFA and AFR, and uh, you know, a lot of times, and I've said this quite a bit lately, you know, uh, most pastors spend three years getting ready for a 30-year ministry, you know, three years of seminary, Sure. and sure. Jesus spent 30 years getting ready for a three-year ministry. That's true. I Before I came to AFA, I now, this tells a little bit age-wise, but I feel like I spent 40 years getting ready for the last 10 years of my life here at Amen. AFR. And Amen. hasn't it been a trip for you and me to be a part oh, of exploring goodness. the Word in AFR? It's Well, and I've told the story, and, and folks, I want to get to—let let me share a verse, and we're going to talk about Wednesday, but First Peter 1, verse 3. And I, I'm prepping for—I'll be at the Cove in July teaching First Peter— so this year I'm spending a lot of time in First Peter getting ready for July 8 through 10 at the Cove. But uh, verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. All right, the new birth, John chapter 3, Jesus said, If, if you want to see heaven, you want to go to heaven, you must be born again born from above. That's why we would ask you, you know, not religious, uh, not just a church member, but have you been born again? Well, you say, how do I do that? Well, the way you do that, according to the Bible, and I'm, I'm abbreviating here, but you admit that you're a sinner, and then you put your faith in Jesus. Who is he, and what did he do? Well, he is the Son of God. Do, do you believe that? You, you must believe that he is who he claimed to be. And then on that cross, when he died on Calvary's cross, which we celebrate, we, we acknowledge it Friday, Good Friday, he did that for the world, yes, but he did that for Bert Harper. He did that for Alex. He did that for you. And, and say within your heart, say, you know, I believe it. Jesus died for me. And then 
part of being born again, you turn from sin. And you, Bert, you know, we could talk a lot about what, what is meant by repentance. The Bible says you've got to repent. That means to turn, of, turn away from sin. And to repent, really, you acknowledge and you agree with God. You say, God, I admit it. I'm a sinner and I do deserve punishment. But, Lord, the best way I know how, I'm turning to Jesus. And I'm saying, Lord, please forgive me and save me. And, Bert, I don't want to overcomplicate it, but this thing like 1 Peter 1, 3, the new birth, being born again, born spiritually, you're saying, God have mercy, please save my soul, forgive me. And, Bert, anybody, anybody today, right this minute, at 4.13 p.m. Eastern Time, if you will call on Jesus, you will be forgiven, you will be saved, you will be born again just by putting your faith in Christ. People anywhere and everywhere could do that right now, couldn't they? You sure can, and I pray you have. Listen what you get. You beget a living hope. That hope is living because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He overcame death. No man took it from him as we read it yesterday, and we had a lady to call in and say, let me just read that, and she read that, and it is so powerful. He says, I have power to lay it down, but I have power to take it up again, and he did that, and that same power, Alex, that resurrection power comes into our lives at the point of our faith in him. And Amen. that's what we're praying for you. It is a hope. It is a living hope. I I, I got to finish that and, and read verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 1. After he says he's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, Alex, uh, he, he could have just said reserved in heaven for you. But listen right. what Peter said. It's an inheritance. It, By the way, he says this inheritance is incorruptible. By the way, this inheritance is undefiled. And by the way, it doesn't fade away. It doesn't diminish. And it is reserved in heaven for you. Praise Once God. you ask Christ into your life, you've been born again. And we're praying that you have done that. And if you haven't, right now, I pray that you've asked Christ to be Lord of your life. And honestly, I just want to tell you, do I get the right words? Well, I'm not saying words are not important. They are. But what you do with your heart, God looks straight through your face, through everything, and looks to your innermost being to make sure that you really mean what you're praying. Ask God to be Lord of your life. He'll come in. That Wednesday, um, speaking of that, Alex, and I'll set you up, and I know you want to finish, but that Wednesday that we're talking about, it, it's called the silent day. We don't know a lot that took place, but there is no doubt Jesus was contemplating what was going to take place Thursday and Friday, getting mm-hmm. ready for the greatest work ever done. And so that that's what he did. He was, uh, Alex, I, I think he was anticipating this. Yes, have you anticipated something that was difficult? Well, I know oh, yeah. he was. It was beyond description of how hard it would be. But he was anticipating because he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And I think he contemplated that on Wednesday. There's no doubt in my mind because when it comes to Thursday and Friday, man, his face was set as a flint to do the Lord's will, wasn't it? 
Exactly. And, and you know, contemplating because he knew. He knew. He had said a number of times, he said that he would go and, you know, back in Matthew chapter twenty seventeen through 19, they were on their way to Jerusalem and he uh, pulled aside the disciples. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They'll hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, beaten, crucified, killed. They knew what that meant. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. So he had begun, Bert, for lack of a better word, to kind of drop hints and clue them into the fact that he was about to be rejected and crucified. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying, and it says that he sweated drops of blood, that is an actual medical condition called hematidrosis. And uh, he knew, the, uh, and uh, we can only speculate, the, the mental anguish, the pain, physical, spiritual, mental, the Father to, and this is part of the atonement, how our sins were adequately just, I mean, paid for. I don't completely understand it, but for the first and only time in history, the Father and the Son would be separated somehow on some level, but the Father turned his back. And so I believe on this Wednesday, while Judas was slipping away, secretly conspiring to betray Jesus, he had a lot to think about what the next 48 hours would entail. He did, and as Judas did that, again, Jesus set the table. Let me just share this. By him coming in on Palm Sunday, riding on that donkey, by him cleansing the temple on Monday, by him confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees on Tuesday, and Judas's carrot betraying him and agreeing to on Wednesday, set it apart for Jesus to do what he came to do. We'll be back with more right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Or Jadu, Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Her agency administers our country's immigration and naturalization services. Romans 13.1 reminds us of the importance of obeying the laws of a nation. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Ur Jadu as she oversees our country's immigration process. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. It's bad enough when someone breaks in and takes what you have. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's far worse when someone takes who you are. He'll talk about that problem today as we spend two minutes with Tony. One of the major crimes in our contemporary culture is identity theft. Technology has made it very easy for people to take who you are and steal it for their own personal benefit. Billions of dollars are taken by identity theft. Lives, reputations, credibility can be destroyed by identity theft. 
And of all the rogues that exist in the world, there is none who can compete with the devil. He comes to steal and to rob. And one of the main things he wants to rob you of is who you're really supposed to be. He wants to rob you of your identity by creating identity idols. What he wants to do is give you and me a fake ID that is not true to who we are so that we never get around to being what we were created and redeemed to become. We are living in a world of uh, plastic Christians who live their lives with fake IDs and the worst part about it, they believe it's the real thing. Not only are you drawn to things that are illegitimate, but you feel like that's the way it's always been. Discover more about who you are in Christ and learn to identify the items and ideas that try to take God's place in your life. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. a song to introduce Mm. the second segment after we spent most of the first segment talking about trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're praying that you've done that. Alex, one thing I wanted to do yesterday, we just didn't have time to do because Tuesday was a very busy day, and we referred to it, but I just want to make, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, Matthew chapter 23, and Jesus Christ pronouncing the woes on the scribes and Pharisees. He does it. He does it eight times. And out of those eight, seven of them, he calls them hypocrites. And again, the reason I bring that up, because we was talking about Judas Iscariot after uh, the anointing of the feet of Jesus and him saying, we could have spent that money and distributed it to the poor. That was his fake identity. And what he was really meaning, he said, we spent that money and I could have pocketed it and used it for my own good. That's what he yeah. really meant. But exactly. he, Jesus is pronouncing the woes on the Pharisees and Sadducees. He does not back up from his purpose the closer he gets to the reality of that purpose. You know, that's that's what I wanted to say. In other words, as Jesus grew closer and closer to the work on the cross that he would do, he step by step, very deliberate. None of this catches him by surprise. None of this is incidental or accidental. Jesus purposely rides in on the donkey. He purposely cleanses the temple. He purposely pronounces the woes on the Pharisees and the scribes. He purposely uh, lets Judas's carry it, do what he's going to do later. But right now, when Judas thought, 
he was doing this under the cover of darkness. Jesus knew what he was doing. And that's powerful, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And oh, my goodness, Jesus warns uh, the Pharisees about uh, hell. I mean, he really does in a number of places in in Matthew and elsewhere. You know, he talks about, um, well, you know, when they would make a proselyte and he said, you know, you hypocrites, you make that proselyte more a child of hell than yourselves. And the word that he used there refers to eternal condemnation. Part of the reason I say that is the very same Jesus that, you know, the meek and lowly Jesus of Matthew 5 through 7 also, yes, he promised heaven and said, love your neighbor, but he warned about the fires of hell. I mean, he really did. And so, but then in Matthew 26, 30, uh, 23 through 25, speaking of Judas, he said, woe to him who betrays the son of man. And there was uh, seven woes on the the religious leaders, but there was a very strong woe on Judas Iscariot. Let me let me just say this: um, in the mid twentieth century, uh, as theological liberalism was really becoming influential, and some of the older mainline denominations really fell to liberalism, there were a number of just aberrant, just nonsensical books uh, about the Gospels. But there was even one that tried to make Judas somehow a hero, that he forced the hand of the people and caused Jesus to go to the cross. No, and you read in Mark fourteen twenty one, the strongest possible condemnations were put on Judas, who betrayed. You know, it's, it's one thing to say they disagreed, but I mean betrayed. That's that's dark, isn't it, Bert? to betray, and he sold out the Son of God. Once you told a, 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 an illustration from Adrian Rogers, Bert, what did Judas do in the, in the garden when he, when he yes. identified? Yeah, he kissed the door to heaven and yet went to hell. That yes. is Judas. And Alex, what, what, what Judas did did not catch Jesus off guard. But just because he fulfilled prophecy does not take away his responsibility of doing wrong. And, and I've, I've seen this happen in people's lives, in churches even, uh, when they do something, uh, but it works for good. They say, oh, if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have said that bad thing, then all this would not have happened. No, what God does for good and turns into good does not excuse the person that did wrong that God had to take that bad and turn it into good. You're still responsible, Alex. And, and that's what they were trying to do to Judas Iscariot, making him uh, a hero in a sense because look what occurred after that. No, he was wrong, and, and those who were doing wrong today even – you do not legitimize your wrong because God is able to take it and do something good with it. Uh, that's that's erroneous. That's uh, I, I would say what Paul said about do I sin that grace may abound? He said, God no, forbid, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. And so for somebody to do wrong and yet something good come out of it does not legitimize the wrong. You know, there's a, a a voice that I'm sure many have heard in the news uh, nowadays, Jordan Peterson. He's a psychologist from Canada. 
he strikes me as a very wise man. I don't know if he's really a believer, but here in a lot of his speeches, he's been alluding to Jesus Christ a lot. And it's it's interesting, uh, Jordan Peterson, I mean, so much he seems to really get, and I don't know if he's actually come out and said that he's a Christian, but he, he said more than any other figure in the stage of history, Jesus can empathize with how we feel. And that if you feel like nobody cares, nobody loves you, nobody really understands you. Uh, Jordan Peterson, brilliant guy. He said, look, if anybody ever understood, it's Jesus. He said, because the, the crucifixion story, I was just watching this speech this morning, Bert. He said, it's the ultimate tragedy. Uh, for one thing, he was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the leaders that should have received him. He was betrayed by one of his very closest friends. He was sentenced legally by the Roman authorities. And then uh, the most fearful, fearsome, agonizing death, the Romans uh, developed crucifixion, perfected it really, to just strike fear in the heart of anyone that would dare, you know, go against the the authority of the Roman Empire, and Jesus is crucified, is nailed to a cross, the guilt of the whole world is put upon him. And I, I just think it's interesting that one of the world's preeminent psychologists right now, he says that the ultimate act of love ever demonstrated was Jesus. The ultimate act of pain and suffering is there in Christ. And if you if you want to feel like there's somebody that could understand you, no matter what you might happen to be going through. Jordan Peterson says, Jesus understands you. And I'm, I'm listening to this, and it's just as good a description of the love of Calvary that I've ever heard anyone, preacher or whomever, uh, describe. Alex, when I hear you saying that, I, I, I want to make you make a comment, and then I'll, I'll make mine. But we've heard it said, and there's songs been written about it, if you had been the only person who would have ever trusted Jesus Christ to Savior, just one, he would have still have done all that he did for one. Now, that's not the case. There's millions who know Christ. Praise the Lord in time. But if there had only been one, he would have done that. Alex, I really do believe that. Do you? Oh, absolutely. Does that say something about how valuable every yes. person who is listening today how valuable they are to him. Absolutely. And I, I want to say two things. I want to say a word to those that maybe don't know Christ, and then I want to say something to those that do. Uh, but let me say, if you find it hard to believe that your life counts for something, and maybe you you just can't give yourself permission to feel like you matter, and maybe maybe from childhood up, maybe you were told that you, you weren't good enough, you don't measure up, you didn't make the team, uh, you're stupid. Listen, don't you believe any of those lies? The Bible says that Satan is a liar. And oftentimes the lies of, the lies of Satan are communicated at us through people around us. Um, but here's the thing. You are valuable to God, so much so that Jesus went to the cross for you. And Bert is right. Had you been the only soul in, in all of the world, Jesus would have laid down his life for you. Please, please believe that you matter to God, because you really do. But Bert, I want to say something to those that are um, 
living sacrificially. I, I talk to a lot of people that um, they, in fact, earlier uh, this week, a few days ago, I was talking to a preacher, and he just kind of felt like maybe all of his years were didn't really amount to much because he had family responsibilities and then a lot of things. And he said, yeah, I just, I don't know if I've done anything with my life or not. Do you know what the, the cross also tells us? And many have acknowledged this. The highest form of love is personal sacrifice. And Bert, I just want to say this, and maybe somebody listening needs to hear it. Um, forget the world and all the fame and money and power and the accolades of this fallen world. You might have lived your life to serve others sacrificially. Uh, you put your your goals aside because you had responsibilities and you sacrificed. Do you know what? That's like Jesus. And the Bible says that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, And God knows. And don't you think that your life of service and obedience doesn't mean something? Mark ten forty four. Jesus said, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And Bert, the reason I want to say that is Easter is also an illustration that love is sacrificial. Isn't it, Bert? It is. And greater love has no man than a man lay down his life for his friend, Jesus Christ. While we were away from him, he laid down his life for us. Alex, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about Wednesday for sure. Again, it was the silent day. We don't know a lot that took place there, but we think we know where he was. We believe he was in Bethany, as was his custom. He was probably at the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, two two sisters and their brother Lazarus. Now, you remember part of the time what Jesus would do in his ministry. He would have times that he would leave the crowd to go be with those 12. He was resting during that time. He was contemplating during that time. He was also discipling during this time. Notice where he is in this home right before the greatest crisis, quote, in his life. He was there surrounded by someone, Lazarus, who had died and Jesus had raised up. He was there with Mary who understood and anointed his feet, and she, he said, she's doing this in preparation for my death. He was there with Martha, who had a servant's heart. Now, I know, uh, Martha, Martha, you're so busy about everything, but Martha truly had a servant's heart. She was serving, and there's no doubt the 12 were there, uh, or the 11. Judas probably was there in and out. We don't know the whole idea about that. But he was surrounded himself with this support team. Now, he was with God the Father, and he would go into the garden later, and he would pray, and he'd say, Father, your will be done. But on this day, it seems like he's built himself a support team, and he's there. I think he is encouraging them. But Alex, uh, in his humanity, and uh, again, unexplainable, 100% man, 100% 100% God, without being, you know, odd, he, is just, he was that. I believe he was surrounded by those that really cared for him. 
Mm. Talk a minute. And I, let me say, for me, uh, it's like my wife, Jan, and I know your wife, Angie, what a blessing it is to have that person there at home supporting you, encouraging you, praying for you. What a blessing it is to have a church and in that church have a a small group that were there that will pray with you and and have those people that are around you that can encourage you at the most important times of your life. I, I found that important to me that I wanted to share today, Alex. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Listen, I, and I don't mean to be trite or anything like that, but, you know, somebody has once said that um, nobody is is poor who has friends. And the word rich, R-I-C-H, people, so many people want to be rich. I want to tell you something. The the riches in life are God and family and those around you that truly care for you. Uh, and again, I, I'm I'm sentimental. I don't mean to be, you know, uh, superficial, but it's been said a friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and sings it back to you when you forgot how it goes. Uh, there inevitably in this life, there's going to be disappointments, uh, job, money, uh, aging. You know, there's nothing. Uh, none of us are shielded from disappointments. But Bert, what a blessing! To be to have around you people who care. That is why I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna throw it back to you. That's why we champion the local church. Amen. Because you know God knows where, wherever we are in life, we need people around us, and we of course we need family, and that's why we champion home and family. But also we need friends, colleagues, and God, who knows we need socialization, gave us this wonderful thing called the church be a part of one be a part of that and in that church find a smaller group that you can be a part of and uh, let let them minister to you and you minister to them that phone number that we want you to call is 888-589-8840 888-589-8840 we'll be back right after the break disney caved After stating Disney wouldn't take sides on the parental rights and education bill, CEO Bob Chapek caved to the LGBTQ's pressure. He has now affirmed Disney's support for gay rights, but that wasn't enough. In the upcoming Disney Pixar film Lightyear, a lesbian kissing scene that was initially cut has been put back in. This is a blatant attempt to indoctrinate our children, and we need to speak up now. Sign the pledge to boycott Lightyear at AFA.net. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. 
We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When queried by the Pharisees concerning the greatest commandment, Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He then said the second greatest commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't simply say you shall love your neighbor. He said Christ followers must love our neighbors as ourselves. Christian duty requires us to employ discernment and active empathy. We worship our Lord when we put ourselves in one another's shoes as we do life together and resolve misunderstandings. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said, and oh my goodness, what a great Easter reality this is. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die, and he is alive. Welcome back to the program. I want to give the phone number. That's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We would love your question and your Bible uh, comment today. Bert, I want to say a big thank you to First Baptist Church of Dillon, South Carolina. My friend, Pastor Jamie Arnett, just a great church. I'm broadcasting from their offices today as I'm traveling a little bit. So if you happen to be down in South Carolina and you're looking for a church, First Baptist in Dillon is a great one. Amen. Well, they got a good connection. Marty and I were talking about it, and uh, I thank the, that church for having that and hosting you. Well, let's go yeah. to the phone lines, and we're going to Kansas and talk to Christian. Christian, welcome. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Loud and yeah. clear, brother. Awesome. Hey, guys. Um, hope you're having a good day. Um, real quick, um, I um, was reading in First Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. And it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And recently, um, obviously, uh, we've been seeing all around us that our country is very messed up, and it's run by sin, and it's falling apart. And I was going to see if we could possibly take time right now to pray for our president, because he matters to God, and uh, God desires him to be saved and to come to Jesus' Son, 
And uh, I was wondering if we could take time and just pray for our president right now. Christian, mm. thank you. I, I just want to give a shout-out for the presidential prayer team. Uh, it started during George W. Bush's, uh, you know, when he was serving, and it continued on with uh, uh, President, uh, you know, Obama. It continued on with President Trump and now with President Biden. And I appreciate what they do. They pray for him and pray for the team. So, Christian, your point is well taken. Alex, uh, is it be all right if I pray today? Yes, lead us. Father, I thank you for Christian. Thank you for him taking your word truthfully and seriously. And we do pray for President Biden that you would do a work in his heart. And we realize that that only you can come and penetrate some of the areas that that no one else can, Father. And I pray that you would continue to to convict him and then to to draw him to yourself. And I pray that you would surround him with some people that know you. Uh, a lot of times, as we have observed, uh, the president um, who he surrounds himself with really makes a big difference. And so I pray for him. And, Father, we're praying for that spiritually. We're not praying for his plans to succeed, but we're praying that your plans for him would succeed in bringing yeah. him to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank amen. you, Christian. Alex, uh, so good to have callers that show their love. Uh, praise God. Thank you, Christian. Let's, that was a great call. It was. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Miller. Miller, welcome. Hey, how are you? Um, I just w- I wanted – what I really wanted to say ties in with what Christian was saying a minute ago. And Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 re- reinforces that by saying that God desires that all come to repentance and that none perish, but God doesn't force anybody. And so mm-hmm. my question, really, my original question was John three sixteen. What is true biblical belief? And Amen. it's really yeah. crucial to understand that it's a faith or a trust that results in following him. And you see that explained in John 10, verse 23, 23 through 30. Miller, you are right on the the words that are translated. Some of the Greek and even Hebrew words to try to translate them into our language uh, has some benefits, but sometimes it has limitations. And the word believe is one of those with limitations. Uh, it really would, if you'd say, uh, if they would faith in the Lord, if they could faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Alex, you know? Yes. And, uh, I, I like it. it Turn is. a noun that's, into a verb. That's what it is. It's faith, yeah. Well, it is. And, you know, James 2.19, there's a word that simply means awareness in your mind, a fact in your mind. James 2.19 says the devils believe yet tremble. Did you know, yes, Satan and the demons intellectually they are aware that Jesus is the risen Son of God, but they're not saved. But when it talks about believe and be saved, John three sixteen, Acts sixteen thirty one, that kind of belief, it's not merely acknowledgement of a fact, but it's surrender of your heart, yielding your heart, like the caller mentioned, John ten, and it says, you know, uh 
my sheep hear my voice and I know my sheep, John ten twenty seven. Uh, that kind of belief to which the Word of God calls all of us is the surrender of one's heart. Uh, that's Bert, that's about the only way I know how to say it, the surrender of your heart. It is, Alex. It's right on. I, to my heroes, and you've heard me refer to both of them, I want to refer to both of them here, and that is Dr. Bobby Moore. He was a mentor of mine, pastor up in the Memphis, uh, Tennessee area, just a great man, prayer warrior for God. Joseph Son, who was from Romania, preached, came to America and started preaching, and just Romania was amazed at what God did. But they both was talking about the word surrender. It is a surrender of your life to him where you give up who you are, you turn away from who you are, and you give it all to the Lord, everything. And don't leave any room checked. Let him check in. Give him the key to every room in your heart and let him reign. Miller, thank you for that good call and good observation. Let's uh, let's go to Mississippi and talk to Jason. Jason, welcome. Hey, Brother Bert. I hope y'all are doing well. Yes, brother. You as well, man. I have got a question, and this is on the the Wednesday crucifixion. Um, uh, Brother Alex, I have heard you say before that you feel like there's as much or more evidence that it was a Friday crucifixion, and I I've always been taught that, but I've got some friends that believe differently, and they rely on uh, some of the scriptures. It says just as Jonah was three days and three nights, and and then I know that um, the, also on the other side of the coin that a custom that a part of a day um, was considered a day. Um, but I was wondering if you could maybe give me some scripture that would help me understand just a little bit better. Um, uh, the Friday crucifixion, because I want to um, be very certain of what I believe and what I say. And so, sure, great question. Well, I think two scriptures. And by the way, thank you for your sincere desire to know the truths of the gospel, as as we all do. And and I don't, you know, whether somebody believes it was a Wednesday or a Friday, I I don't think it's something we should, you know. Uh, fall out over, but Mark fifteen forty two and John nineteen thirty one. Mark fifteen forty two, John nineteen thirty one. Both say that Jesus was crucified on Preparation Day. Now that was always the day before the Sabbath, so it, it was presumed. And you know, throughout church history, and in fact, as far back as the twelve hundreds, churches celebrated Good Friday. But it is believed that it was um, thought to be Friday as far back as the 200s. So we're talking about, for the majority of church history, they understood he was crucified on Friday. Um, and, And so the day before the Sabbath, Preparation Day, had to be a Friday. Now, um, and I, I know to our modern 21st century ears, when you say three days and three nights, uh, you think, ah, 72 hours. But in the Jewish vernacular, it it didn't necessarily have to be 72 hours. Um, you've got, you know, day and night on Friday, day and night on Saturday, night then day on Sunday morning. So in the way that they use language, you did have three days and three nights. 
But one final thing I would say, Bert, is this, that um, the, the important thing is he, he died regardless. And even, you know, secular sources like Jewish, Greek, and Roman sources reference that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So I'm not sure that we can definitively know. Here's the thing. Which day of the week it was, I, I strongly believe it was Friday. But uh, that I wouldn't take a bullet for that. But the fact that he is the Son of God who rose from the dead, now that's a hill we die on. It is. And, and Jason, we hope that helps. And again, that that is Mark chapter 15, verse 42, and John 19, 38 through 42. When you get those, you see that day of preparation. And uh, I, I think that does help equip you. Let me just say one more thing. If it's Thursday, you're going to have part of four days. I, you know, because yeah. he rose yeah. the first day of the week. We know that's Sunday. So it'd be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then part of Sunday. That's part of four days. And so, I anyway, I, I think it's, again, it's not a hill to die on, but I think we're in good standing on, on Friday. Let's go to Tim in Texas. Welcome, Tim. Hi, guys. I uh, really appreciate your symbol to understand commentary as it relates to the word. Um, my question, not really a question, but I recently saw a TV ad that caught my attention. It was entitled, He Gets Us. He, referring to Jesus, and it was, which was really surprising. You don't normally see anything talking about Jesus on TV these days, but they were, uh, it was talking about how Jesus related to everyday people. Uh, looked it up on the internet, saw some things that were really confusing. I just wondered if you guys have, have are familiar with it. Apparently, there's a lot of dollars behind it. Wondered to know if you were familiar with it and what your thoughts were. Alex, have you seen that campaign or an ad, or do you know? Uh, I have, and I have to confess, I've not seen it. So, I but I can we can look into it. We would have I, to, I Tim. I have not either, and uh, I I just know. Uh, there are some good stuff coming out today. Uh, people's ask us about the, the, the series, The Chosen, you know. And uh, I ask one of the people I trust very deeply their theology, their knowledge, and uh, Bible training, uh, Bible school training. And they said uh, it's not varying from the truth. It adds stuff to fill in some of the blanks to make it a story that is told. So there are some good things that's going out there today. Now, I, I, we don't know about this one, Tim. It, we'll have to look at we'll that. We'll try to look into it. We sure will. Well, thank you again, Tim, and take care of Texas. Let's go to Samuel in Texas as well. Welcome, Samuel. Um, welcome. Um, hello, Alex and Bert. Um, I just wanted to make, and I'm glad as the timing was right, I just want to make a comment about the Holy Week in particular. Um, you know, I just heard the gentleman ask a question about the Friday. I know, Alex, you said you wouldn't take a bullet for it. But I want to pose this one thing. If you were to go to John, the um, 19th chapter of John, he makes a very important point. He says that it was a high holy day. And I believe this is something that has been misunderstood from Christendom because of the fact of the anti-Semitism that existed for a while. And in a high holy day, the Moedim, or the appointed times, we're talking about Passover, unleavened bread, and things of that nature, those are considered the first day of unleavened bread and the seventh day are considered Sabbaths. You do no work. 
So when it said the day of preparation, it was not talking about the weekly Sabbath. It was talking about the actual Sabbath right before unleavened bread the first day. So he literally would have been crucified on a Wednesday, and now you have Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. You'll have Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day. At sunset on Saturday begins the first day of the week, according to Hebrew understanding. So that starts the first day of the week. So anytime after sunset on Saturday, the weekly Sabbath was when he resurrected. And that explains a lot of the things that have been misunderstood. Well, um, l- let me say this, and, and I hear you and I appreciate that. Um, one of the problems that people talk about with a Wednesday, and there's, uh, although I, I've got to tell you, they talk about the high holy day and there were two Sabbaths. I've not really found any thing that I would say is historically compelling. I know that for those that advocate a Wednesday crucifixion, they, they want to say that there were two holy days that week. I, I really don't know that, I at least to my study, I've not found uh, compelling history for that. But here's the thing. Luke 24 basically says that the disciples who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus did it on the same day as his resurrection. And they talk about the crucifixion, uh, Luke twenty four twenty one, and say, today is the third day since these things happened, Luke twenty four twenty two. Well, here's the thing. They're on the road to Emmaus the same day as the resurrection. And they say, um, have you not heard these things? Are you a stranger to Jerusalem? We thought this man approved of God with signs and wonders was the Messiah. And to Luke twenty four twenty two, this is the third day since these things have happened. Well, they couldn't have said that if it was a Wednesday crucifixion. So, I, you know, I don't think we need to be argumentative about that. But, Bert, hey, I want to say a big shout out to the inmates in Texas. Bert, this morning I had a stack of letters from inmates in Texas that listen. And I want to say, <laughs> brothers, we pray for you. We thank you for listening. And uh, we're aware of you. And we thank God for each and every one of you. I want to add to that, Alex, and I thank God for you and Praise God, the difference Jesus Christ makes on this side and that side. He sets us free. And when you know Jesus Christ, you're free indeed, no matter where you may be at that point in time. Alex, has been good. And we want to invite you to tell others about exploring the Word. But more importantly, we want you to tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.